Five, four, three, two, one. It's an Arsenal Thing podcast. On the menu tonight, we'll cover Arsenal's clashes against Manchester United and Wolves in the Premier League. Nipping over the pond for another American Arsenology with Isaiah. And Dave will be trying to eat a blazingly hot Ginster's chicken and mushroom pie without getting himself admitted to QEQM. That's a hospital. Get the kettle on, Dave. I'm shattered. What dramatic start to the show, courtesy of the late Barry Gray. Last time I experienced that level of drama and intensity was at the baggage carousel at Gatwick. Um, I had to wrestle my bag off some chap. It wasn't even the same colour as his. Welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, thanks for dropping by again. Pull up a chair. Your weekly dose of particular arsenalness. Yes, we're still using that. Episode 10 is entitled The Merciless Knees of David Louise. Those knees have not got the greatest record in football. Sinister leg protrusions with evil intent. If only shaved before the match or even epilated, it would have made a difference, I'm sure. Yes, we're going to be using a brief interlude of sarcasm from Sarcasm Central. Also tonight on the show, five of the worst excuses you'll ever hear in football. So embarrassing, you'll have to hide behind some goalposts. And we'll also be going to the gun room to have a chat with our latest member, Jay, about all things Arsenal. Um, Dave, the missus is doing that torture thing again, inflicting period dramas on her unsuspecting spouse. Uh, we've done Downton Abbey, uh, Sanderton, and now we're on Bridgerton. Basically, anything with a ton in it. Not long now before someone comes up with ton to ton. We'll watch that as well. Uh, and that'll be game over. It's basically the same show rehashed with chiselled actors in flouncy shirts, tight waistcoats and heaving packages. Uh, your Heathcliff-type character fighting off the attention of the local ladies. I have to say, Dave, there was rather a lot of the pink stuff in it. It was an absolute flesh fest. I hardly had time to draw a breath and dunk my hobnob between the cavorting. It's an Arsenal Thing podcast. Fun, football and conversation. Myself and Dave were talking about microwaves, which is essential for any football podcast. And I was saying, well, they're obsolete, aren't they? Who has one? And Dave admitted, put his hand in the air, please, miss. Um, Dave admitted to owning one. And I said, uh, you've got a microwave? And he said, well, no, it's a meat safe. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, I use the microwave to defrost the meat and get it away from the attentions of his cat, Hairy Dave. Hmm? <laughs> uh, what planet are you on? So you've never actually used it. When was the last time you used it? He's shrugging his shoulders. I give up. Um, shall we have a fascinating fact? It's time for a really interesting fact. It's from the BBC News Round, bound to be a winner. You've heard of play being interrupted by a stray dog, cat or a bird, managing to get on the pitch somehow. But who would have thought that a game would have been stopped because of a fluffy alpaca? Who brought that to the ground? Uh, it wandered on the pitch during the clash between non-league side Ilkley Town and uh, Carlton Athletic in West Yorkshire. How'd you get that off? I mean, it took about four stewards and a policeman to get that off. 
another fascinating fact. Not more. Yeah. Um, 442, the FA Cup may be renowned for its romance, but it can't work miracles. In 2016, jilted boyfriend John Dines gatecrashed the third round of the FA Cup between non-league Eastleigh and Bolton Wanderers in a desperate bid to win back the love of his life. Sporting a grey top emblazoned with dreams come true, the 51-year-old intended to somehow impress his ex by running onto the pitch and scoring in the Bolton area. Unfortunately, his cast-iron foolproof plan backfired when Dines slipped on his backside in the six-yard area and was immediately arrested. Mm. True love never runs smoothly, especially in the six-yard box. Willian is a player with two left legs and cabbages for feet. He must have naked pictures of Mikel Arteta. How else could he get a game? But firstly, let's cover some of the Man United match. This is probably verbatim to what I've put in the blog. If there are two luckier players on this planet, I'd like to know who they are and who they play for. But until such time, Harry Maguire and Bruno Fernandes hold the dubious title. Harry Maguire, an overpriced bruiser and hacker harking back to the 1970s. And Bruno Fernandes, a man who continuously falls over into a crumpled heap if anyone comes within a metre of his shadow. They show just why United have got so much work to do before they can become challengers for the domestic title. Maguire had a yellow card, but arguably should have been in the shower before the final whistle blew. And the overreaction from Fernandes to a challenge from Cedric didn't appear to even merit a stern word from the ref. Worse was to come when the United midfielder tried to shave Xhaka's calf with his studs. There was no reprimand, no card, no nothing. The enigma that is Paul Pogba continued uh, to play the entitlement card and had the temerity to remonstrate with the ref who issued him with a yellow. Pogba's response was to state that it was his first challenge. Oh, well, that's all right then. Carry on. Uh, if ever a team made something out of nothing whilst looking for favours from the officials, it's Manchester United. Free kicks in key areas or fishing for penalties are all part of United's armoury and it shows just how far United have fallen as a football force and as honest professionals. The Lacazette-Maguire incident late into the game could have had terrible consequences for the Arsenal striker when Maguire got underneath uh, the airborne Frenchman like a scaffold board and the forward fell heavily onto his head and left shoulder. Maguire realised that he could be in a spot of bother and he went through the motions of feigning an injury and playing the role of the victim. At this rate, this overpriced United captain will seriously injure someone before the season's over. This whole unedifying spectacle was watched over by Gareth Southgate. And although it's unclear if the defender remains part of his England plans, if I were Gareth, Gareth, get yourself a new central defender. That guy's going to kill someone. After a desperately ordinary match, Solskjaer was reported to have made disparaging remarks uh, claiming Arsenal's defence was brittle. And he also claimed we had the bigger chances to win the game. A decent performance defensively. We created two massive chances from a good cross and good play. The United boss does have a tendency to gloss over the obvious and suffer from illusions of grandeur where his side are concerned. 
Because had the available chances been taken that were on offer, then Arsenal would have ended the match 3-2 victors. The fact is that these two sides aren't that far apart in terms of their individual rebuilds and overall competitiveness. And they engaged in a match where neither really deserved the three points. Out of the two managers, at least Arteta would have been more content with three big names and influential key players missing from his side. Tierney, Saka and Aubameyang. Arsenal had also taken four points out of an available six with a decisive win in United's own backyard. The first half of this game was a fairly pedestrian affair with both sides having periods where they assumed control, but not enough to command the game. But in the second half, we were treated to a more open contest that saw Cavani fluff the two big chances mentioned by Oli Gunnar-Skolvarnish. Uh, around the 58th and 89th minute, the prowling striker had his moments. The first effort glancing off the excellent Leno around the post. And the second, a low bicycle kick, similarly avoiding the net. Lacazette rattled the crossbar from a free kick as United froze. And Smith Rowe and Pepe were denied by United's sometimes chaotic defending. The much maligned Willian also got a chance um, from a Bellerin cross after replacing Martinelli in a uh, tactical change in a game short, desperately short of precision. The media's love for Manchester United was clear and slightly nauseating at times as they attempted to make them sound what they clearly are not, candidates for the Premier League title. They will splutter in the coming weeks ahead and uh, will be found wanting. At least Arteta remains honest and realistic about his side's progress. It's time to enter the gun room for a natter. Right, thanks for coming on, Jay. How are you? You all right? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, good, mate. Just all the... I tell you, all these twists and turns in the Premier League, it's just... It's the most compelling Premier League ever, I think. Um, yeah. What, what surprised yeah. you the most? Uh, I mean, there's some crazy results just today. Newcastle, who've been absolutely toilet most of the season went to Everton and, and won um, you know you've got West Ham who are flying high playing well for a manager that you know by most people was just a washed up veteran and you know I suppose you know the biggest surprise for me has been Leicester to be honest you know the way that they fell apart sort of couldn't get over the line last season I kind of expected that to sort of carry over into this season and uh, you know Rodgers has got he's got them playing really well and they, they've they've signed some really good players you know I like Obviously, Madison, he gets a lot of the sort of headlines, but they've got like that Castagna and Fafana. Uh, and he, they're so consistent and uh, they look a real threat this year. But all in all, it's just, you know, obviously the home advantage, that's completely gone now, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, there's um, there's, there's no point, is there, really? You could be playing no. in, in someone's backyard or you could be playing in the, in the local park. Yeah, you've got Man City, they are relentless. Liverpool were amazing last season, but, you know, City was still pretty good. You know, they've been relentless for years now and they've got such a strong squad that they're always going to be. They're not going to drop off. You know, they're not going to have the season like most others are having. But apart from them, you know, there's just bonkers results. You know, just last week, you know, Sheffield United beating Man United. Um, I did you know, laugh. Did you enjoy been... that? I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I tuned in and I, I was kind of expecting them just to go through the motions and, uh, you know, yeah. be about 3-0 up. And then I just laughed. 
I was like, because all yeah. of this hyping of Man United and all that sort of thing was getting on my nerves anyway. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. oh, that's a real smack in the eye. Welcome back. You're on the ground floor yeah. again. Yeah. You know, you've got Leeds. Leeds have been pretty good. They haven't been an amazing football team. They've been sort of good to watch. You know, the league goals are fun. You know, it's so unpredictable. I mean, I've given up putting an acker on at a weekend, you know. It's just uh, pointless. I don't know, what about you? What's been a big surprise for you? Uh, as you say, it's just you, you tune in to see what the results are. And you, you, like the Newcastle one, that was a prime example. Washed up. I, I'd written something about them really, really sort of disintegrating, imploding. And um, that yeah. Steve Bruce was probably going to get the sack. And, and, and then you tune in and Everton in a good, solid financial position and uh, bringing in some good results. And then 2-0, yeah. you have to shake yourself, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife, she's a, she's a big Leicester fan. And we were watching, uh, you know, Leicester against Everton a couple of days ago. She was a bit disappointed that didn't get the win. You know, and I was saying to her, you know, Everton are a good side. You know, you just have to look at their starting eleven. You know, they've got some good players and they've got a really good manager. And like, you know, Newcastle to turn up there and it's early and days in them as well, isn't it? It's it, you know, we have to say it's early days. In another couple of seasons, they could be right up there. Yeah, they're not afraid to spend a penny or two either, are they? Oh, they've wasted uh, so much, haven't they, over the years? Yeah, and got yeah. nothing for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just been a very surprising sort of period of time with the, the changes at the top. And I think it's going to be quite interesting that, uh, again, uh, it's been happening for a couple of seasons. The battle for the top of the Premier League and the battle at the bottom are both going to be yeah. as fascinating as each other. Be- because yeah. I'd, I'd had my I'd had my bottom three kind of picked out a couple of weeks ago, and now I'm not sure. Mm, yeah, I, I still think those that are down there. You look at that Newcastle team today; they've got some pretty good players. Like I've always quite liked Shelby. I've always, you know, from what I've seen of uh, Callum Wilson up front, he's a good striker. You know, good Premier League striker. You look at, you know, in comparison, Sheffield United. Uh, you look at West Brom. Uh, those two sides, to me, there's not many standout names. You know, the, did Sheffield United spend the best part of twenty million on um, Brewster? Was it? Is it Sheffield United? I'm sure it was him. Ian Brewster from Liverpool, and he, you know, he hasn't. I think you know, so. He can't yeah. buy. He, yeah, he can't buy a goal. Uh, I think those two, you know, Sheffield United and West Brom, are in big trouble. Uh, Fulham. They're starting to worry yeah, me. Been... They're just starting to slide. Um, they put yeah, together and, and a little lot... run. Yeah, and I, I quite like, uh, I know he used to play for Chelsea, you know, I quite like Parker. You know, he's an honest bloke and uh, kind of, I've got a bit of a soft spot, you know, he's a, quite a nice chap, you know, he comes across quite well. He hasn't uh, um, He hasn't tried to sort of change the style of play to nick a draw. He, he's mm. all about the football, the entertainment, so he's, he's not watered down his philosophy, he's still going for it, even though they're, they're, yeah. they're getting some really quite uh, unfair results at times, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's an honest guy, isn't he? And uh, I think those that are down there now, I can't... I mean, ultimately as well, the whole league from top to bottom is so inconsistent, isn't it? Nobody, apart from Man City, you know, nobody seems to be able to put together four or five wins. Uh, it's going to be who can nick these results. You know, Newcastle were more than value for their win earlier against Everton. And I just think Sheffield United and West Brom, you know, from a quality point of view, they're adrift for me, you know. When we played West Brom a few weeks ago, you know, we, they were pretty bad, weren't they? Yeah, they, yeah. They, they chipped nine goals in two matches or something, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a big fan of big Sam Allardyce. 
Well, who do you think will go down? Well, I, I tend to agree with you. Sheffield are uh, looking uh, precarious. Uh, West Bromwich Albion, and I'm not sure. I'm hoping it's not Fulham. I like Fulham. I like the uh-huh. way they try to play. Uh, again, like you, I like Scott Parker. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, the thing is, look, they came up really, and the space between coming up and playing again was really quite short, wasn't it? It's probably been yeah. a big Im- impact there, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at uh, Brighton. Could they be dragged into it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think they're in trouble because they've got mm. no firepower, have they? They make the chances. No. There's no one to put it in. Yeah, um, so it'll be between those, I think. Do you see anyone dropping into it, you know, from a bit higher up? It's tough, isn't it? Because people, teams are just nicking results every so often, aren't they? You know, I, th- I think the longer this goes on, where the, those those sort of bottom six are all struggling uh, and the other teams yeah. are starting to uh, pile on the points, it's going to get even worse for them. Yeah, those clubs as well, that, you know, we can talk about the effect that having no supporters in stadiums affects us and affects Liverpool, whatever. The big sort of six-pointers against each other down at the bottom, you know, that's where you need your fans, don't you? you know, the game's struggling for atmosphere. We need fans back in stadiums, really, don't we? It's, you know, it's funny that, that you mentioned that because that was on my list of things to ask you. You know, it's got to yeah. have impacted deeply. Yeah, and it, it, it's the intensity, isn't it, that's missing. It's so evident in even the bigger grounds. You know, the, 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 the game we spoke about earlier, the Sheffield United-Man United game, it was, you can imagine that the Old Trafford fans would have been screeching and hollering to get Man United forward. It's just flat, isn't it? The fake, false noise coming through the TV, but I don't know if you've switched between the two. It's, it's remarkable, the difference, you know, if you, if you choose a game with no sound on, where you can hear them all talking, and it's just, it's bizarre. Yeah, yeah, because it's normally drowned out, isn't it, by clapping and screaming and uh, the songs and everything yeah. else. Um, moving yeah. on to the United game, um, it's not a, it's not a classic between two classic sides anymore, you know, since the 90s through to about 2003. Um, do you still get a buzz, though? Is it still a big yeah. fixture as it used to be? It, for me personally, it's still the biggest, if not, you know, it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest game of the season. You know, it was, you know, the Man United-Arsenal rivalry. You know, I despise Man United as, as much as any other side. It doesn't carry the same weight, you know, it's, uh, there's very little between the two teams. Yeah, they're um, two diluted teams now, aren't they? By comparison to those um, yeah. those Ferguson and Wenger teams. Oh, what a brilliant era, you know. What two amazing sides. You know, you think back to the games at Highbury and now Old Trafford, monumental moments in, in, in the club's history. And I suppose there's a generation of Arsenal fan that weren't really exposed to that, right? But for me personally, you, you know, you always look at, I mean, I was lucky enough to go to Old Trafford last season and we, me and my wife were sat in the crowd and we, we didn't play very well that day. I don't know if you remember, it was one all. And um, Aubameyang had his goal disallowed for offside, but he was about seven or eight yards on. Yeah, and uh, I mean it was a, it was an awful game, but being in the stadium, you know, it still meant a lot to both sets of supporters. You know, uh, so it's going to be like yeah. going to your first football match all over again, isn't it? Yeah, when you're actually yeah. now back in. Um, what were yeah. your thoughts about the game? What what sort of game did you expect? I didn't really expect to see Aubameyang, but losing Saka was was big because you know he's been you know arguably our best player this season. Uh, so to lose him was was a huge, you know, huge loss. But you know, Martinelli coming in, I thought that's a pretty good replacement in the same, you know. But United, good going forward, awful at the back. I didn't expect it to be as full as it turned out to be. 
if I'm being honest with you, it was it wasn't the greatest football match I've ever seen. It kept uh, coming in waves, thought. didn't it? I think for the first fifteen minutes, it was all Arsenal. Then um, Man United started seeping into it, and then yeah. um, the, it kind of seesawed all over the place. Yeah, I mean, did you notice how careless we were in possession? We must have lost the ball seven or eight times, just missed passes and, and just being caught in possession. And it was just in front of our back four. We were losing the ball so often and just gifting it to them. It's, uh, uh, it's become a feature. Um, and certain yeah. players lose the ball more often than others. Yeah, I just thought it was so... Um, you know, it's the area of the pitch really didn't want to be, you know, obviously before the game, you know, Fernandez, that's where he sort of operates. Uh, you had Pogba out onto the, he was just sort of the left-hand side, wasn't he? And he just seemed to be giving away the ball a hell of a lot in that area, which was driving me crazy. Uh, luckily, United didn't, couldn't really do much with it. You know, I think Rashford had a chance uh, where, you know, Leno came out and did quite well, didn't he? You know, he, made, he pushed Rashford back right at the end of the first half. But United, as, as the first half went on, United were the better side, I thought. Yeah. And, and they were on top. Uh, and I just, I, I wanted to get to half time. Desperately didn't want us to concede just before half time because uh, we were defending pretty well. But I was glad to get to half time. They've got this, they've got this uncanny knack, United, of, of sort of not playing particularly well, but just nicking a goal. Or I was waiting for the penalty or the free kick. Yeah. Um, and Fernandez, uh, he's, a, he's a great player. He's got lots of quality and all that sort of stuff. But he goes to ground and he, he, he really oh. milks it and looks for for the decision yeah. and I, I can't stand that I really can't it really no. gets on my nerves it no, really bugs me but he did he I'm did that a few times I think he got clocked in the face by someone and it was on his virtually on the left side of his chin and then he started yeah. holding his his, the, his forehead with his right hand yeah. and his left hand like he'd been shot in the face yeah, yeah that was the Cedric I think he jumped with Cedric, didn't he? Yeah. Cedric got a yellow card. And did you see a minute or two later, Fernandez like raped Shaka's Achilles? Yeah. And and, and 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 like the referee, you know, VAR looked at it and didn't even get a yellow card. You know, baffling. You know, I'm, I'm going to say now the the player that annoyed me the most, and thankfully it was a Man United player. It was um, Maguire. Maguire. Yeah. He got one yellow card, but. Uh, I tell you what, he was very close to getting um, getting a red. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Harry Maguire. Uh, I think he's incredibly overrated. He he wrestled in towards the middle of the, middle of the second half. You know, that was when he wrestled Lacazette to the floor, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, he's, he's quite he's quite clumsy, Maguire. You know, the thing is, he's quite uh, blatant. He doesn't put much daylight between the the incidents as well, because there was no. like two or three, and it seemed like they were in about six minutes. United, isn't it? I think, I think they just get the rub of the green, don't they? they just yeah, get the, penalties, uh, free kicks, uh, how long mm. do you want to play for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I mean, what was your half hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what did you... What did you think when you saw William coming on? Uh, the usual, really. I mean, you know, when we're talking about people, uh, I mean, he looked lively, but his possession of the ball is is shocking. Um, mm-hmm. Always giving it away. You know, nine times out of ten, yeah. he's got to chase back because he's the one that's giving it away. And um, surprisingly mm. enough, Thomas Partey's touch wasn't there, really. Yeah. There was a yeah, couple of really naff passes that he made that um, is unusual for the, the quality of that guy. Yeah. I mean, there was, a, there was a couple of occasions. I think there was one time in the first half where he did like, like a drive and run. I, I mean, I totally agree with what you just said. I think his, his decision-making was quite bad and his execution was bad. 
and and usually they're the two things you know his, as we've spoken about before his choice of pass and his technique's usually so good isn't it yeah and uh he was yeah he, he, he struggled i thought shaka had a pretty decent game i thought pepe did, did pretty well uh, was a, was a threat had a, few, had a couple of chances didn't he but again he's just always trying to sweep it into that far corner isn't he yeah Smith Rowe uh, was good as well because every time he got the yep. ball he was looking to run forward and he was looking forward to create um, he'd, get, yep. he'd do a couple of give and goes as well that's one part of his game that I absolutely love he's constantly he's like he's, he's on, he, he receives the ball on the half turn doesn't he and he's, then he's driving at them he's so direct and you know he had his chance didn't he got it on target can't really ask much more from him can you you know he's, no. he's, he's consistent you know he's um, I don't think they got up. the ball to him enough that was the problem because had he had the ball we would have got more more of that direct attack um, yeah but he just he kind of was um, in and out of the game because that's how Arsenal were playing, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of... I don't know if it was just today or I just noticed it more today. We, it, there was a lot of backwards, sidewards, backwards, sidewards. You know, Lacazette worked hard up front, but like you say, I think we didn't get him in the, in the game enough, but he, he still did well. He, he's not the kind of player, is he, or that doesn't come across as the type of person that's just prepared just to coast along. You know, he wants to be involved in the game. He's... Yeah, he'll go looking for the ball. If he if he's not given the ball, he'll go look. Yeah. What were the What were the positives for you from this result? Because it, I mean, it didn't suit both teams, did it? Really, it didn't suit United for uh, massaging their own ego, overinflated ego, and um, I, I suppose Arteta will probably be the happier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, when the final whistle went, I, I was—I wouldn't say happy, but I suppose you're satisfied with the point. I, you, you don't want to lose. You want to keep the momentum going. Uh, you want um, the players to to get some confidence because ultimately we were we were severely weakened. We didn't have Tierney and we didn't have Saka, two of our most influential players. And then you've got Aubameyang. Okay, he hasn't been great this season, but he's still a major part of our squad. He's a threat. And, and United were at full strength pretty much. And and there was very little between the sides, you know. There's, there's the paint of a crossbar. Yeah, because when you put it you like know, that, it's, it's a good result. It's a sound result. I, yeah. Yeah, I just think, you know, you take out three of our, you know, biggest... Th- th- those three players I just mentioned, they would definitely start, you know. Yeah. Then you look at the United side and they're pretty much full strength. There's very little between the sides. Because yeah, that really got us there, didn't he? He had a, he had a he couple did. of moments. Yeah, but then, you know, there was that Cavani chance in the last... In the dying seconds, that volley, and I mean, I thought that was in. You know, I was already so did I. <laughs> I was like, oh no, oh no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and that's the, you know the fine margins. It's, it's a tough. It, it was a strange game. Each side had a had a sort of ten fifteen minute phase of the game, and then it was attack v defence. You know, it was it was a, it was a funny old game. But I don't know. Uh, like you said, I think Arteta would be relatively happy with that. Second with half was better than the first, wasn't it? I, I, I sort of um, kind of was losing interest in, in periods because there was not... It was like sweeping forward, getting pushed back, going in an attack. Uh, but the second half was, I, I thought, a, a much better game. Mm. Much more enjoyable yeah, it was. to watch. And I mean, we, yeah, we defended well as well. You know, it's easy to forget, uh, you know, when you're looking at the chances we had and the chances United had. We defended pretty well, you know. David Luiz and Rob Oldin, they dealt with Cavani. You know, Cavani's a difficult striker. He's mobile, he's tall, he's, he's a handful. And, you know, they brought Martial on and, and obviously Rashford's always a threat. These, these are good players. And we defended well and I think that's got to be highlighted. Do you um, think Arteta's uh, starting to like the combination of Holding and Luiz together? 
I think it's going to be difficult for Gabriel to, or Mori to get back in. David Luiz, is, I think he's going some way to proving a few people wrong, myself included. Last season, I thought he was done, but... You know, he's come back and he's he's, an, he's another one. He's an honest guy, you know. he's uh, He makes, he's got a howler in him, but it was another really good performance. And he led, led by example, you know, and he made some really important interceptions. Uh, and Rob Holding, you know, next to him, he does what Rob Holding does. He's just a no-frills defender. I'll he's tell a good you what, defender. Did, you, did you see that ball over the top that Holding played? It was like, oh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a creative midfielder now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and this, you know... Rob Holden's, yeah, I don't know, I think he's, I'm a big fan, like I've said to you before, he's the kind of defender that I think a lot of clubs look for, he's just no nonsense, he's, he's a solid 7 out of 10 every week. I've been on his and case, to, as you know, but I, I think he's starting mm. to probably get the, to the levels of fitness um, that he had before the injury, and I was probably yeah. judging him really harshly, because um, mm-hmm. that is one hell of an injury, you know, to get over. Uh, and, yeah. and some players are never the same again. No, yeah, I think he's got to be um, potentially looking at maybe an England call up. I think he's doing really well. I think he, I'm, so I'm happy for him, you know, because he's uh, he's been criticised by you know parts of the fan base for you know down the years. But I think he's he's showing his worth to the squad, you know. Do you know what his big problem was when I've, we were in the FA Cup final with Chelsea and yeah. he played? He had Costa in his pocket. And yeah. he, he was yeah. outstanding. No, no two ways about it. And then after yeah. that, it was almost like he was going to kick on. He was going to be, um, we're going to see that every single week. And it just didn't happen. Yeah. And I think that's where no. people got um, a little bit irate. Uh, I don't agree with all the abuse or any of that stuff. But, um, you know, yeah. people started to go a bit sour on him. I mean, do you think with Rob Holding and, and you know certain players like Rob Holding, but we use Rob Holding as, as an example, he, he's just pretty standard all the way along. Do you think sometimes that can work against player? You know, he's, he's like an, as in like an easy yeah. target to replace. Yeah, you know? because um, you know you've got every, everyone in every side now has got to be spectacular. They've got to be good at exactly. this, good at that, and um, I think sometimes. The guy that does the good shift and doesn't stand out from the crowd, does all the sensible, simple things, tends to get overlooked. And that's probably Rob yeah, Holding. that's what I was getting at. I think it takes a manager like Arteta, who is a little bit no-frills himself, you know, he's still learning and he's a bit of a rookie, to see something like that and see the value, you know, in somebody like Rob Holding. I'm, I'm just, I'm pleased for him. Because he's, he's another one that comes across like uh, seems like a decent enough bloke. Who was your standout player? Yeah, I thought, um, I thought Lacazette did well. I thought he put in a, a solid shift. You know, I thought Shaka did pretty well. You can see why Sky gave David Luiz man a match. I thought he was he was he was good. I thought Pepe did well. You know, he he, he was tracking back, and he, there was he had moments of uh, maybe showing he's, he's grown in confidence a little bit. Um, I don't know. What about you? Who, who, uh, who did you? I, I can see exactly why they went with Louise, but um, I, I thought Lacazette was outstanding. He, he, he was yeah. just up for the fight, up for the challenge. Um, he was trying to make a nuisance of himself. His yeah. hold-up play is uh, second to none. Yeah, it's really come on, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, between all the players, there wasn't much, you know, there was no absolute standout. There was a lot no. of players that put in a shift, as you say, Xhaka, um, Louise, but uh, Lacazette for me. I thought 
you know, Cedric, I thought he did well against Rashford. You know, Cedric, ultimately, you know, he's playing as a right-footed left-back. And, and Rashford, he's a top player. You know, he's a handful. And I thought he did well. I thought Bellerin did okay against Pogba in the first half. I can't, can't really think of a save. Think know, to we, me. we can sort of not look for um, a replacement for Tierney now that Cedric has come into his own. Yeah, I mean, it depends if Maitland-Niles goes out on loan, you know, in the next couple of days. Then, then probably not. We need to bring someone in, but uh, he's definitely showing he's got enough in him to be able to come in for these kind of games. Ultimately, I do rate Rashford, and I don't think you're going to come across too many players you could offer as much going forward as Rashford. And he dealt with him pretty well today, so I think he's. I, I like him. He's good. He's a decent player, and he's good on the ball. Uh, the only thing is, he's not left footed, so he's always looking to cut back onto that right, isn't he? And the, the pass around the sort of around the corner at the inside of the defender. I think the good thing uh, is, though, he doesn't look out of place, does he? He does. He didn't. No. He didn't play a stinker like Maitland Niles did in the same position. Although there were reasons no. for that, but uh, yeah, he looks a bit no, more uh, polished. Yeah, and, we, uh, and you know, we've had Kalasinac for a couple of years now, who is left footed, and, and you know, he's, he's a car crash, you know, in, defensively. Um, and I'd much rather have Cedric than than him. I've granted, we've only seen. A handful of games, but I think you can see why he was signed for his versatility. Uh, you know, because Bellerin's he's had his own sort of injury problems, hasn't he? And, yeah, uh, I'd have no issues with Cedric slotting in there or continuing at left back until seeing is better. What do you, um, what do you think Mat- Mikel's got to do, um, to actually get Arsenal to finish in the top four? I know that's a sweeping generalization, but you know, is it more players? Uh, motivating the ones that he's got, sticking to a system or not rotating. You know, where where do you think you're going to assume? Let's say City are in the top three. Uh, Leicester look very consistent. So for me personally, they will probably be in the top three. And then Liverpool, who I know they've had a bit of a rocky spot, but they're still an unreal football team. So they're going to be there. You're going to need a fair bit of luck. We need Atenas and the Bamiangs and Yusakas. And we need Odegaard to hit the ground running. Yeah, and we also, we haven't really mentioned uh, Tom's party. You know, he didn't have the best game today, but he is genuinely world class. You know, yeah. and if he starts to perform at the level that he can perform at, then he will change. He will be able to. He'll be able to improve the players around him. But there's so many games, isn't there? There's yeah, so many I, I think it's a, it's a sixth or seventh finish for us this season, and yeah. uh, you know, I'll, I'll take that all day long. Six, six or seventh. Yeah. Exactly. We, we, in, in a season where I mean, it doesn't. You know, there's no two ways about it. This is a rebuilding season. If there's ever been one, you know, we've got rid of some very high earners, uh, and we've made a signing in party, which is a world class signing. And at sixth place, I think, be a really good finish, especially from you know where we were. <laughs> you know, we, I'll we tell you what. When, once this goes out, our Twitter feed's going to be quite busy, isn't it? <laughs> 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 Saying that we're settling for six or seventh. <laughs> yeah. But you've got to be realistic, yeah, right? Of course you, you know. Yeah. Well, it's been yeah, brilliant please. to talk to you again, mate. Yeah. It's, um, we'll right. look forward to it next week. Lovely. Take All care, right. mate. Cheers, Jay. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. It's an Arsenal Thing podcast. Fun, football and conversation. It's time to nip over the pond. From the land that gave you popcorn, drive-ins, Johnny Mathis and the legitimate right to shoot your neighbor for parking outside your house, Direct from the U.S. of A, it's a potpourri of foosball analysis and stuff. It's American Arsenology. Good evening, ladies.
ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to American Arsenology. Brought to you by VAR, where bad referees look to get even worse. I'm your host, Craigan Freundson. And now, tonight's top stories. Well, I hope your blood pressure has come down, boys and girls. It was a wet, wild, windy affair as Wolves hosted Arsenal in the Premier League on Tuesday night at Molyneux. This was a tale of two halves, with Arsenal thoroughly dominating the first 45. But Wolverhampton kept on biting, like a rabid dog after the bits of lunch left in Nuno Espiritu Santos' beard. It was a rough Tuesday, Arsenal's first defeat in seven matches in the league. The Gunners fell 2-1, to one, with plenty of drama and auxiliary damage along the way. Time to get right into it. Well, boys and girls, the party started early. As Thomas Party and Bukayo Saka took less than 60 seconds to make an impact in this one, the Ghanaian played a sublime pass into the penetrating run of the young Englishman. Saka was able to create the time and space needed to unleash a thunderbolt of lightning, but was denied by the woodwork. Three minutes later, Cedric Soares made a great run, and his deflected cross fell to none other than Bukayo Saka. Saka produced a good hit, which forced a fine save from the Wolves keeper, Rui Patricio. And just five minutes later, it was the Lacazette to Saka combination coming good again that has been so fruitful as of late. Laka did well to pick up the pieces of an Emil Smith-Rowe cross that was flicked on ever so delicately by Rob Holding. He cut the ball back to the oncoming Saka, who finished first time with his weaker quote-unquote right foot. It was a delicious finish that sent the old onion bag a-bulging. My wife was jumping for joy, my daughter was screaming. Yet we were only to be denied the joy of the beautiful game by VAR. But Lacazette was shining in the first 15 minutes of this one, drawing fouls, playing neat little one-twos, spraying passes around the attacking third. I'm sure Arsenal fans around the world feel good seeing the streaky Frenchman playing with belief again. He is a streaky player who often lives in his own head, poking around the attic of his mind. When he decides to take the ladder downstairs, we know he's a decent striker who can get us 10 goals a season. But it was Thomas Party who stood out. He was pinging these fantastic vertical passes around the pitch and truly looked to cut above the rest. One thing that stood out was the willing runners, particularly Nicolas Pepe and Bukayo Saka, who were willing to jump on their horses and ride, ride, ride. The stale, static movement in the attacking third had been an issue for Arsenal previously in the season. However, things looked to be getting back on track. The Ivorian, the Ghanaian, the Englishman, only on TBS, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Good old Big Willy Boley was a threat on set pieces, and Nelson Semedo tested Burn Leno from distance. But overall, Arsenal were mainly untroubled by the home side in the opening salvos of this one. In the 25th minute, 
There was a brilliant exchange between Nicolas Pepe and Emil Smith-Rowe down the left channel, like a Maserati and a Lamborghini weaving in and out of traffic on the A27. The move ended with Pepe blasting a shot that Rui Patricio tipped over the bar. Overall, it was a tough day for Max Kilman, who picked up a yellow for nipping at Bukayo Saka's heels. Then a short time later in the 30th minute, Nicolas Pepe played Saka in on goal with the on-rushing Big Willy Boli, giving Saka a tap on the back with his little pinky finger. The young Englishman went to ground, only for his claims to be waved away by the ridiculous Craig Pawson. A bit more on him later. But Arsenal were dominating, moving the ball well. Party was covering every blade of grass stomping around. The Tank Party, live on TBS this Wednesday. Arteta's men looked truly and well in control, a different squad from the first time these two teams met. And in the 33rd minute, Nicolas Pepe produced a complete moment of brilliance. Jab stepping to win the ball, he quickly played a pass with Lacazette and then went to work. Shredding former Barcelona man Nelson Semedo and putting the ball through the legs of Ruben Neves, Pepe unleashed a curling effort with his right foot that comprehensively beat Patricio, leaving the keeper in agony as the moisture exploded off the back of the net. It was a magisterial solo effort that Arsenal fans have so long been waiting for from Pepe. May there be many more to come. But it wasn't just the goal or two goals in three games that is encouraging for Nicolas Pepe. No, 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 no. It's the work rate, the sense of responsibility that Pepe is playing with that bodes so well for his future. Something tells me Pepe is going to be scoring a lot of goals in the month of February. Nicolas Pepe scoring goals. Later in the game, Wolves were denied a corner and every member of the household was cracking up Tom. Granite Shaka led a Larry Bird, Larry Legend counterattack that broke down and Pepe and Smith Rowe slowly started to exchange positions. Something quite interesting, intriguing and enjoyable. Party scythe Adama Traore and Bukayo Saka was abusing Max Kilman such that it looked like he needed a bottle and his mommy. <coughs> Arsenal were in control and there was everything to be excited about. But the excitement was quickly extinguished, as in the dying embers of extra time, David Luiz stepped too high, challenging for a ball in the air. Wolves won the knockdown and got the ball to Daniel Podence, who led a 3v2 break against Englishman Rob Holding and Spaniard Hector Bellerin, trademark TM. Holding hedged his bets toward Bellerin and hedged his body in his direction creating a lighted runway for Brazilian William Jose to stroll through. And as Potence played him a little through ball, it was the recovery run of David Luiz that apparently caught his fellow Brazilian. Caught him with his knee? In 
one-stepped VAR, and the rest is history. Louise was shown a red, and Ruben Neves smashed home the penalty like a real prick. Our understanding is there is not supposed to be any more double whammy red and pen, but it's an arsenal thing, as they say. Louise was shown the red card, the penalty given. 1-1. Despite the dubious nature of the penalty, it still appeared to be all to play for. In stepped Craig Paulson, and with him stupidity. Paulson made a spineless and uninformed call. It was a bizarre use of video assistant referee. Like Tiny Tim leaning on his crutch only to find out it had been sawed in half. The complexion of this match was changed entirely. And given the fist bumps between Paulson and many of the Wolves players, it all felt a bit off. David Louise and his de-puffed, de-volumized hair took that long, lonely walk. And the first half came to an agonizingly painful end after what had been such a bright start. It couldn't have been a more dramatic turn of events if Jesus himself had drawn up the script. Gabriel came on at half for Lacazette, a recall for the young Brazilian. And it was ESR who started as a false nine. In the 49th minute, Joao Moutinho unleashed a Jewish laser beam that Bern Leno had no chance on. Strike that. In the 49th minute, Joao Moutinho unleashed a laser beam that Bern Leno had no chance on. Bukayo Saka was way too slow to close him down, and Thomas Party was late. Granite Shaka had a front row seat ball watching, and it was a great goal from a man with a great beard. There were some other minor moments of note a delightful Thomas Party back heel, and the ensuing fisticuffs of Adama Traore and Cedric. It was like Rick Moranis fighting Mr. T. Mikel Arteta started to lose his cool a bit. And Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang came on in the 61st for Pepe. It felt a bit cruel given the Ivorian's work rate on the night. Aubameyang was back from caring for his sick mother and Pepe was busting his ass. Nonetheless... It was the Gabonese who came on for the Ivorian. Shaka picked up a yellow, and Gabriel started to find his footing with a few nice plays. As the game wore on, Cedric started to wilt. Wasting two embarrassing passes in quick succession and looked a bit exhausted, to be honest. I pity the fool who has to mark Triori for 90 minutes. William Jose did Rob Holding on the dribble, and Arsenal began to show signs of fatigue. But then the tale took one more twist. Yes, Tom, it's an Arsenal thing. In the 73rd minute, Bern Leno went on walkabout, mate, flying through the air, totally misjudging the skip on the wet surface of a long ball played toward his box. The German clearly handled outside his area, and was so confident that Pawson would send him off, he hit the showers. Arsenal were in the twilight zone once again under Arteta, 
It got weirder as schoolboy Renard Renarsen came on for Thomas the Tank Party. Arsenal defended with two banks of four in a noble effort. It was a gutsy finish to the match. And Arsenal even manufactured one last chance through the industrious Hector Bellerin trademark TM. It was Bellerin's passionate sliding challenge that created the crossing opportunity for the Gabonese hitman, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. But Aubameyang whacked the ball off a Wolves defender and the chance went begging. It was game set and match. Save for one embarrassing moment when Renard Renarsen played a pass over the end line for a corner. It made Pawson's fist-bumping approach feel all the more salty. There were three big takeaways from this one as Arsenal left with their heads held high as they battled nobly against 12 men. First, the rebirth of Nicolas Pepe. Credit to his midwife and his manager, Mikel Arteta. Folks, we have our very own 19-year-old world in Bukayo Saka. Nurturing his talents, keeping him grounded and at the club must, of course, be a huge priority for Edu and team. And finally, given Gabriel looks to be sure-footed in regaining his confidence, when will we see the reunification of David Luiz and Gabriel? The Selecao at the back for the Gunners. We're hoping to see it soon. Tom, back to you. It's an Arsenal Thing podcast. Fun, football, and conversation. We're going to be discussing Craig Pawson's dubious performance against Wolves. Mind you, we should have known how it was going to turn out, especially when he took to the field with his own theme music. Don't talk to me about Craig Pawson. Obviously, trained in the dark arts by Mike Dean. 170 matches, 29 red cards. I suspect most of those are for Arsenal. And 583 yellows. It's just handing him out willy-nilly. Of the Louise sending off, Mark Clattenburg said it was the wrong decision. But former ref and FA cyborg Dermot Gallagher said it was the right decision because it said so on Sky Script. And they paid the bills. Southampton's Bednarak's card was rescinded for a challenge that looked far, far worse than the one committed by David Luiz. Well, it wasn't even a foul, was it? It wasn't just sort of an accidental connecting of leg hair, a tanglement of leg follicles. Um, it was clear that there was something amiss when Pawson was overheard talking to his linesman, John Admiral, who had just adjudged Wolves to be offside. But Pawson didn't agree. Have a listen to this. Don't fail me again, Admiral. 
All right, we made it up, but it sounds good. Me and Dave were having a hoot to that. Right, it's time for five of the worst ever excuses, courtesy of bbc.co.uk and whatculture.com. In 2019, Liverpool drew nil-nil with Everton, and Jurgen Klopp, the great Jurgen Klopp, blamed the wind. Well, if you're looking for something and there's nothing available, you know, um, why not the wind? Next up, former Birmingham City boss uh, Barry Fry blamed a curse for his side not winning. So um, what did he get up to? Well, he went and did what every normal human being would do, which is urinate in the four corners of the pitch to exercise um, the demon that was actually making him lose. God, but that stank when you were taking a corner. Where did he get that from? I didn't see that in The Exorcist. Former Newcastle boss and uh, Liverpool legend Kenny Dalglish claimed after a 1-1 draw with lowly Stevenage in the FA Cup in uh, 1998, he blamed the balls for being too bouncy. (laughs) Uh, We don't want bouncy balls, especially if there's a strong wind. Euro 2004, Italy featured in a mind-numbing 0-0 draw with Denmark. The players, including Francesco Totti, blamed their socks. Their feet were smushed, which uh, I'm guessing is a a combi of squashed and crushed. It was like having your feet in boiling sand, said one. How do they know? What does that feel like? Christian Panucci claimed the thread of his socks were too rough. Oh, bless. And what about Maureen? Yes, the great Jose Mourinho. Always loves an excuse. He'll find something that's not there. When he was boss for Real Madrid, he gave a spectacular... Uh, excuse which said from the first to the last minute we came here to play it's not a criticism wait for it it's not a criticism i'm just stating a fact there were no ball boys in the second half which is something typical of small teams when experiencing difficulties who were the small team none other than barcelona yeah that tiny little pub side Having said that about the wind, you know, uh, a few years back, I was at Wickham's Ground. I don't know what it's called now, um, probably Wickham's Ground. And we were there for a day out in a private box, which was a nice little touch. Uh, we had lunch, a couple of cases of wine and all that malarkey and just strolled out these sliding doors to watch the match. But it was blowing a hooli. So uh, during the match, the goalkeeper took a free kick and uh, or a goal kick. And off it went, up into the air, up into the clouds. And uh, everyone ran after it, as you normally would, because it's a, it's a goal kick. Uh, but it stuck in the air. It hung and blew back about 90 miles an hour in the opposite direction. It was, <laughs> And you could see all these players just scrambling to try and get back to head this ball off. And I think it kind of bounced in the area and bounced over the bar. But it was epic. It was something to see. really was. Um, so we just carried on. Uh, what do you do? Uh, foul weather, uh, great conversation, nice old lunch and uh, a terrible football match. Oh, perfect day out, really. That's it. Grab your coats. We're off ski. Thanks to Silent Dave. Look him up on his brand new Twitter account at Isaiah. Check out his blogs at AmericanArsenology.medium.com. Look up Jay. You'll find him on Twitter as the Ball Gooner. To Soam D and to Brandon Murphy. Music was provided by Soundroll. Check out our blogs at AskDevils.com. Email the show. It's an Arsenal thing for at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and Twitter. If you like what you've heard, please hit the subscribe button. Until the next time, stay safe. Take care and join us again soon.